Lord, through the written word and my spoken words, may we know your living word, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Morning. I am Olivia, for those of you that don't know me, and I don't know if I'm officially a trainee vicar until I start in September my training, but I'm telling everybody now that I'm a a, a trainee vicar. When they ask me what I do, I no longer say I'm a teacher. And I'm really excited to kick off our summer series, looking at the Psalms. The first time I really got into the Psalms and started looking at them was when Isabel was born about two and a half years ago. So when I say this is my favourite psalm, I'm still really a relative newcomer. So why? Why should we look at these psalms? Well, Tom Wright says this about the psalms. He says that the psalms offer us a way of joining in a chorus of praise and prayer that has been going on for millennia and across all cultures. And he says that to ignore them is as though we are a child who goes up to table at the summit of Table Mountain and has the city and the sea and the ocean spread out before him and yet chooses to look at their own Game Boy. He says that if we don't look at the church's original hymn book, then we put ourselves through spiritual impoverishment. So I hope that over the weeks you will think, yes, the Psalms are great and you want to read them more if you don't already. And if you follow the ritual of morning and evening prayer and night compline, um, you will go through the psalms around about once every month. So I've sectioned this morning's psalm into four little helpful chunks. I hope they're helpful. And um, I've got four little glimpses of my life so far. And I hope you'll see how just one psalm can speak in many different moments. So the first thing that this psalm's taught me is that we cannot escape God's knowledge of us. We have that verse, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. I don't know if you've ever known somebody so well that you know what they're going to say before they do. Recently, I went to my oldest friend's hen party, a celebration before she gets married at the end of the summer. And we played a game called Mr and Mrs., where the other bridesmaids had asked her spouse-to-be questions about her, and then we asked her the same questions, and we played a pre-recorded video of what he said to see how well he knew her. Now, he did pretty well, um, but I'm not sure that the other ladies there were expecting me to do better than her husband-to-be. And it's not that he doesn't know her well, or that they don't communicate... It's just that we've been friends for over 20 years. And we've had 20 years of talking and listening, 20 years of highs and lows and falling out and boy problems when we were teenagers. And it's 20 years of friendship with all of its flaws and all of its joys. Because when you let somebody into your life, they cannot help but learn things about you and you about them. But what we learn in this psalm is that God doesn't just know our actions or all the things we've ever done, but he knows our words and our thoughts before we've said them or we've thought them. So it's no wonder that the next part is wondering where we can hide. So when I was in my late teens, about 19 years old, 20, um, I made a choice 
to forego church on Sunday mornings in lieu of my lifestyle on a Saturday night. And at the time, it didn't really seem like an active choice, uh, but regardless, it was still a choice. And on the rare occasions that I got myself out of bed and went across, I, I lived across the road from a church, went to, into the church for the Sunday morning service, I very rarely made it to the end. And it wasn't because of any kind of physical um, hangover. It was more a spiritual hangover. And what I mean by that is that the more the service went on and the more they talked of God's grace and his love, I just felt guiltier and guiltier and guiltier until I would just get up and leave. I knew with certainty that God knew what I had been doing. And that scared me. So I ran away and I hid while I tried to. Which brings us to the second thing that I learned from the psalm is that we cannot hide, we cannot ever escape his presence. Verses 11 and 12 say, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So we fast forward 10 years to the current day, and I have a beautiful daughter. But two and a half years ago, when I'd just given birth, I was in a dark place. And I don't mean literally, I mean the night feeds. It was dark, it was January in the middle of the night. Was, it, the nights felt really long. But in the day, I was in a dark place. Um, I struggled with postnatal depression and anxiety. And it was in this time, when she was maybe two or three months old, I went to my old house group um, at St Thomas's, and we were looking at this psalm, and it was like being punched in the gut really hard. I spent a lot of time in literal darkness in the night, but also in the day, crippled with anxiety, couldn't leave the house and yet in those moments of darkness I really really felt God so close to me like never before and I really had a clarity of who I was in him who he had made me to be and it was funny because 10 years earlier and I'd had this um, I wouldn't say extravagant lifestyle but a a social lifestyle I was constantly surrounded by people and laughter and I still enjoy that I'm a chronic extrovert but I didn't feel God close to me and yet after Isabel was born when I felt very very lonely I never felt God so close because even in the darkness of night even if we're trying to hide in the shadows God comes along like a night watchman with a torch or a lantern and he shines that and he finds us So thirdly, the third thing I learned is that we cannot escape his power, God's power and his sovereignty in our lives. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. An astronomer, Carl Sagan, says this. Consider the miracle of the human body. You have more than 200 bones each shaped for its function, 
connected intricately to one another through lubricated joints that cannot be perfectly duplicated by modern science. More than 500 muscles connect to these bones, some obeying willful commands, others performing their duty in response to unconscious commands from the brain. Coupled with that, your lungs automatically breathe in the right amount of life-giving oxygen, which just so happens to have been mixed in the right proportions in our atmosphere. Each of the other vital organs and glands in your body works in complex conjunction with the others to sustain life, which science cannot explain nor recreate. Fearfully and wonderfully made indeed. When I was pregnant with Isabel, I had an app on my phone and each week it would tell me what she had developed inside me. Oh, she's got fingernails now, she's got eyelashes, she's as big as a blueberry and then she's as big as a tangerine and then my app changed and you could change it to a toy. Oh, she's as big as a toy car, things like that. And I really thought, wow, this is amazing. The human body is incredible. These verses really showed me that my life is not an accident and none of our lives are. God created us with a purpose in mind. And it says in the message translation of this this passage, like an open book, the days of my life, all prepared before I'd even lived one day. So not only can we not escape from his knowledge of us, and we can't escape from his presence, we also cannot escape from his power in our lives, because he made us. So I grew up in a Christian family, my dad was an army chaplain, and I went away to boarding school age 10, and then I went to uni age 19 after I'd had a gap year. And between 10 and 19, I really lost a sense of who I was and who God had created me to be. I went from being an eight-year-old girl sat at the lunch table at school telling people about Jesus and how we could have God and dinosaurs and they could both exist. And to 19, choosing to not go to church. And I really lost who I knew I was in God when I was a child. And the further I drifted away, the harder it seemed to get back. It's very cliche, but I know, it's a very prodigal son. But it, it, nonetheless, it is my life. Uh, um, eventually, my lifestyle at university led to me dropping out. And it was no real surprise, to be honest. But um, I had to move home with my mum. Um, and she just started her curacy in the Winchester Diocese as a a priest in the Church of England. And um, she kind of coerced me into going to church, to be honest. So if you're going to live here rent-free, then you're going to come to church with me on Sunday mornings. Um, And, you know, actually quite quickly it became not a forced thing. I I started to enjoy going. But at first it was was really painful because I wasn't just forced to come face-to-face with God... That was almost the easy part. What was really hard was coming face to face with my own sin and who I had become and recognising that that was not who God had made me to be. So one evening I went to a worship event in London. Um, An older couple from my mum's church wanted to treat me. They had no children of their own. 
so they took me up on the train, we went out for dinner, and then they took me to Holy Trinity Brompton to a big worship event they were doing. And I had never sung these songs before, but I knew them before the words came out. I, I knew them. It was so strange because I had genuinely never heard them. And on that night, um, it was as though God shone a torch on me and asked me to step into that light. And I did. So fourth and finally, because of these three things, the fact we can't escape from his knowledge of us, his presence in our lives, and his power over us, we have no choice, if we accept those things, than to commit ourselves to the pursuit of a holier life. And in verses 18 and 19, we have this call out to God. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. A lot of what I've shared with you this morning have been things that have really only become apparent to me through the wrestling of my vocation or my call, as they call it in the church. And Craig knows very well, I spent, well, it felt like an eternity, it wasn't actually that long, but I spent a long time saying, no, no, all these things completely disqualify me from being called by God to do anything with my life. And eventually I reached a point back in August 2015 where I knew that I couldn't run anymore, that I just needed to look into it and see whether God really was calling me to be a priest in his church. So in March 2016, Isabel was about two months old, I started that process. And when it got really hard, it was this psalm that got me going. And uh, it did get hard. I think I emailed Craig once in the middle of the night on a Saturday evening saying, I'm done, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, But one of my 2am prayer sessions in the middle of the night with Isabel uh, sorted that wobble out. This psalm doesn't shy away from life being hard. In our first verse of that hymn we sung, it says, Father, although I cannot see the future you have planned, though the path is sometimes dark and hard to understand, yet give me faith through joy and pain to trace your loving hand. And for me, that's what this psalm is. It's it's a love letter of how intimately God knows us and how he seeks us out. So I'm only 30. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so old. <laughs> I'm 30, I'm quite young. And I can look back now and I can see, with the help of this psalm and, and various other Bible readings, I can see pinpoint where God has been throughout my life. And I can see where he's hemmed me in. And I can see the people that he's chosen to speak truth and light and hope into my life and bring me closer to his purpose for me. So I wonder what our current struggles are. If there's some way in our lives that God wants to hem us in or push us on. If there's something that he's asking us to do and we're kind of turning away and saying, no, no, that's not for me. So I'm going to play a song now, which for me resonates with this psalm. It's a song all about God's sovereignty through the highs and the lows and the darks and the lights. And I really hope that you will spend this time either looking at the psalm again, I think it's on page 599, 
or just sitting with God a little while and asking him what his purpose is for your life.